It's time for Decal Download, your source for news and information from the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning. We'll hear from Commissioner Amy M. Jacobs and special guests to give you an update on all things Decal. This is Decal Download. Downloading now. Welcome back, everybody, to Decal Download. I'm Rich Griffin, Chief Communications Officer here at the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning. Research tells us that regardless of their abilities, children in high-quality child care programs are better prepared to enter school and more likely to develop healthy social and emotional skills. When child care providers offer inclusive child care, they're supporting not only children with disabilities, but also their parents who can work, go back to school, or just take a break. Here at DECAL, we're very proud of our Inclusion and Behavior Support Services Unit and a new helpline we've launched that makes assistance just a phone call away. Here to talk about the importance of inclusion in early child care and the new helpline are our Inclusion and Behavior Support Regional Supervisors who help staff the helpline, Michelle Clark, Katie Hagan, and Lindsay Yuri. Welcome to the podcast, ladies. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Now, this is really exciting. One of the things we like to do uh, when we have folks on is to, first of all, find out about your background, how long you've been at DECAL, what you were doing before. So let's go around the, the room here and find out. Michelle, how about you? I have been here four years as of yesterday, oh. I noticed. Um, and before that, I've been in early childhood for 20-ish years. Um, most of that time was spent teaching in Georgia's pre-K classrooms. Great. Great background. Yeah. <laughs> so do you miss being in the room, the classroom? I have moments that I really miss those relationships that you build with the kids and mm-hmm. the families. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you're in and out of center still. In but... and out of some centers and supporting our new staff um, as they are supporting centers, programs, teachers, and directors. Right. I had a, a former principal, actually a former high school teacher who was promoted to a principal role. And I went by to see her one day. And she closed the door, and I said, how are you liking it? And she started crying. <laughs> and she said it was because she missed the student interaction. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. sometimes you got to be careful what you wish for. Yes. <laughs> she went yes. back to the classroom, by the way. No. I'm not wow. saying you'll leave that. <laughs> no plans to She's go back. She's not allowed. <laughs> right, yeah. So we'll be strict on that. Keep Michelle there. Lizzie, how about you? Um, so I've been with DECAL five years. Just had my five-year anniversary in November. And prior to that, I worked as an inclusion coordinator um, with the R&R, QCC. And then before that, um, early childhood, I've taught in toddler classroom, preschool, and then I spent some time in George's pre-K. Oh, so okay. miss that as well so, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but again, great. And we find that a lot of our folks that do work at DECAL have had that background. So I think that's great mm-hmm. to have that uh, kind of experience. Katie, how about you? I've also been here for five years at DECAL. Um, and prior to that, I was an inclusion coordinator um, since about 2009. So um, a lot of my experience professionally has been in the inclusion world and also early intervention prior to that. So um, I've been working for the state of Georgia for about 16 years and all of that being intervention and inclusion. That's great. You've seen a lot of growth over yes, the time that you've been yes, here. Yes. You guys are up to about how many working in the field? We knew you were going to ask us this. <laughs> As of now, we are at 15 wow. field staff. Mm-hmm. That's great. So if uh, anybody's listening and you wondered how committed is DECAL to this whole inclusion and behavioral support thing, I think it's pretty evident we're committed. Yes, we, we went from a field staff of 10 to 
growing to 18. So just last mm-hmm. December, a huge we commitment. Yes. Wow, yes, that's great. Um, and we continue to grow, so this is exciting. We're going to talk about the new hotline in a minute, but I want to kind of set the table for folks that may not be as familiar of, about inclusion and inclusive early learning. What, what does that really mean, and how does it look in a child care program? So inclusion in early child care programs really looks like including all children of all abilities. So it's a lot of uh, differentiated instruction for kids, a lot of individualizing for kids, but really thinking about the classroom community as a whole and what does everyone need and how do we build those relationships in the classroom. Okay. And the research shows this is beneficial, and this is interesting, both for children with disabilities as well as their peers. Is that true? That is very true. All children benefit from being in an inclusive environment, and some of those benefits are that sense of belonging. They're in the classrooms or programs with their same age peers, so they feel like they belong in that program. They have those increased social interactions, along with learning some empathy and acceptance for people that may be different than them, um, and then some problem-solving skills. Mm -hmm. And don't you find, I mean, I notice in young children that they love to have a reason to belong and contribute yes, and help absolutely. out. Don't you see them kind of rallying around those children and, and wanting to help and make them a part yes, of it? Yes, they are, you know, they are some of the big proponents of inclusion because they mm-hmm. just do it naturally. Mm-hmm. They just mm-hmm. include this is just everybody. Yeah. yeah, She's mm-hmm. my friend and we just play together and they make those accommodations naturally and figuring out how to play with each other if they right. need to make those. Not my yeah. friend in a wheelchair or my friend who has a hearing you know, nope. issue or whatever. That's yeah. fantastic. Um, so we know that it's beneficial for both. Uh, we know that this is important to roll out. What do you think the resistance is from, let's start with parents and providers. Is there resistance from a provider standpoint and how would you explain that? I think there can be. I think sometimes just the fear of the unknown or um, I've never done this before, so that can be intimidating for me, or I don't know where to start. So I think there can be some hesitation, maybe either from the teacher or the provider standpoint, or even a parent standpoint, but sometimes just our conversations with folks, I think Mm -hmm. helps to maybe shift mindsets a little bit around how simple it can be to include all kids. Is it more evident in a public school where maybe they are structured to do that kind of thing versus a private childcare, family childcare home? where they're a little more worried about, I'll do the wrong thing. I think that's what I hear from a lot of providers is I just want to make sure I'm doing the right thing. I think all providers want to make sure that they're doing the right thing. Um, And if they're not certain, it can be scary. Um, So they're not sure how to include children with disabilities. And that's where our staff can come in and really help brainstorm ideas and maybe it's just like Lindsay said that shift in mindset Mm -hmm. of what is this going to look like in my program because it can be scary if you've Mm -hmm. never had a child that uses a wheelchair or a child with a specific disability um, when you don't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. What about parents? Are they hesitant? We're very very protective of our children. We don't want them to be in anything that would embarrass them or you know bring attention to them that's not wanted. What would you say to parents? I think on the helpline we have a lot of really great conversations with parents around the benefits of inclusion and how having their child in an inclusive environment can really benefit their child long term and not only their child but what they're going to learn from their peers and what that parent's going to get from the other parents in mm-hmm. the classroom. So I think there it's just opening the doors to have that conversation with mm-hmm. parents. Yeah. I think just making it available yeah. opens up 
a world of questions, and you guys are probably, we'll have you back, you know, in six months, we'll have a whole <laughs> list of questions. Uh, and we're going to talk we'll about talk the about that. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got, uh, each of you actually represent, uh, oversee a region with six specialists in each for a total, as we said, 18 inclusion and behavior support specialists statewide. How do they work with providers? Yes, we, um, our specialists support referrals to other sources, such as early intervention. Um, we have on-site consultation, which we use the practice-based coaching model. Um, also, professional development, providing free training to providers on you know, such topics as inclusion um, and social-emotional development. Um, and then also, we facilitate programs to initiate individual behavior intervention plans for children with persistent challenge in behavior. So this is a new piece that um, has been brought about with the Inclusion and Behavior Support Unit mm -hmm. um, and has, has, has been really successful in helping facilitate that process so that, that programs can help those children that are exhibiting those persistent challenging behaviors. And, and that kind of caught my eye in some of the information about this. What are persistent challenging behaviors? Persistent challenging behaviors are behaviors that often impede the learning of that child or the social interactions of that child or other children, and they're not responding to developmentally appropriate practices, mm -hmm. and they continue to escalate. Um, so you're, it's a pattern of behavior. Mm -hmm. A lot of behaviors are typical in their development, but it's when it escalates and continues and is ongoing, um, we call those persistent challenging behaviors. Mm -hmm. And we can help them in those situations yes. Yes. in terms of how to respond? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Like she said, creating those behavior intervention plans, helping facilitate the creation of those, and co with coaching with teachers on how to embed those practices, thinking about you know brainstorming with teachers, because mm -hmm. this is their classroom, right. and we're coming in to support them in their classroom. So brainstorming with them ideas of how should we respond, what does this look like, what does this child do when we try this? What do we see happening before the behavior is happening? So maybe we can be more proactive mm -hmm. um, and prevent it from happening before it happens. Right. So we've recently launched a, a new helpline, which is 833-354-4357. How does it work? Who can call? Uh, what all can we provide? So the three of us are um, answering those calls, and usually it's parents calling, providers, teachers, admin, um, and that's where, as Katie talked about, the supports that we provide. So if a parent is calling in, it may be a parent that's looking for childcare. Um, so we can provide, hey, we've worked with these centers in the area, or here's a list, here's quality rated where you can go search for childcare yourself. They may also be looking for resources. So how do I um, get my child evaluated? I have these concerns so they're looking for those resources so we can give them the numbers for the special education departments of their local school system um, teachers and admins reach out a lot of times around challenging behavior and that's when we'll you know do an intake we'll talk about what's what's going on in your program get as many details as we can and that's we'll assign that to a specialist and a specialist will reach out to them and call and schedule an observation. They'll come out and observe in the classroom and start, as Katie talked about, those coaching cycles. Mm -hmm. We are promoting this phone line, I know, on our website and through social media, other ways that we're kind of getting the word out to people? 
I think all providers have been sent some information mm-hmm. or are in the process of being sent some marketing mm-hmm. information. So if you haven't got that yet, it's probably on the way. Okay. Um, I didn't know if they had it close at hand, but this is one way we're getting the word out. So definitely. <laughs> and the podcast. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. So We've spread been sharing information at conferences yes. as well. That's great. Mm-hmm. We actually did have someone call the other day that said that they had used the magnet that they had gotten from the conference. Oh, so mm-hmm. that was great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, keep it handy, and uh, we've always got somebody there. Now, is it um, 8 to 5 every day? How? What are the hours of operation? About 8 to 5, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and a voicemail on there in case we yes. miss. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they can also email us, too, if email works better for them. And that's inclusion, just the word inclusion, at decal.ga.gov, because mm-hmm. sometimes that works better for people. Sure, yeah. Um, boy, I, one thing I've learned uh, since joining DECAL about eight years ago is that the schedules of our providers are all over the place. Sure. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, especially through our social media, sometimes they're up early. Mm-hmm. And yes. <laughs> yes. Liking and commenting <laughs> things at 5, 30, 6 o'clock sure. or late at night mm-hmm. because during the day they're very busy. Yeah. And um, I know with our teachers of the year, you kind of wonder, well, where, why are the pictures not coming in or why are the posts not coming in? Well, they're busy. They're, they're with their <laughs> students at that point. So the, uh, the helpline's been up and running for a little while now. How many calls have we received and uh, what are some of the topics people are asking about? We are up to 663 calls. Since uh, April. Since April. Oh, wow. Yes. That's great. Um, the majority of those calls have been around challenge and behavior. Um, we have also had calls... Um, on child care referrals, disabilities, training resources, such as um, wanting more information about social emotional learning. Um, we get phone calls from child care professionals and also families seeking child care for their child. Mm-hmm. So um, you're ready for all of that. Uh, you guys are prepared. Yes, we're ready. <laughs> we're, ready. <laughs> were you a little, I'm curious because this is so new, were you a little anxious about it at first in terms of what kind of calls would we be able to respond since April? Are you feeling more comfortable with it now? I think we were maybe a little anxious at first just because, like, with anything new, it's a change. But um, what's kind of interesting about this is before the launch of the helpline, we were all already receiving these types sure. of calls. Um, it was handled a little differently. It went straight to the specialist. But with the restructuring, it just comes right here. So we were already kind of doing this a little bit. We just have a better structure now, I think, to mm-hmm. handle those calls. I think, too, as a leadership team, we're able to to really work on some planning so that we can better our responses mm-hmm. for child care providers as they're calling it in. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do a lot of meetings. And we do a lot of communication back and forth on a daily basis to see how we can best respond to child care providers and families when they call. Right. And it gives you a little bit of a heads up as to what's going on out there. Oh, yes. And, and where these questions are falling categorically so you can be ready. So I think that's great. Let's say a provider's listening today. They really want to make their program more inclusive. Where do you start? Um, I would say give us a call. Right. So um, give us a call. We can talk through so many different ways that we can support you in uh, making your program more inclusive, whether that be through um, just resources that you can use in your program or the different trainings that our unit can provide or the different coaching supports that we have. So whether it's including children with disabilities or if you have kiddos with challenging behavior, we can support. Mm -hmm. So. Don't be anxious about it. You've got help. You've got help. We are here. Yeah. So give us a call. And even if it, you know, because it, like we said, it can be intimidating or scary. Um, we're here to listen and we're here to support. So yeah. there's nothing that you can ask that will, you know, that would be 
something probably we've heard it all I feel like so go ahead and ask <laughs> I, th I think sometimes because part of our role as an agency is the regulatory part sure you know meeting the health and safety requirements following the rules doing everything by the book there's a little bit of a hesitancy in some ways of a provider going wow if I admit that I don't know maybe they question what I'm doing in the other area and that is that could not be farther from the truth we know this right. is a journey every child is different and uh, and unique in their talents and abilities, and so we're here to help. And so, yeah, I, I definitely think I think folks should take advantage of that. Um, tell me about Georgia Seeds for Success. That is a fairly new initiative. This is our new initiative um, that promotes program-wide implementation throughout a childcare program. Uh, we use the pyramid model as our framework and it increases the social emotional competencies for preschoolers and pre-k throughout the center um, so it is a program-wide initiative we have right now have 17 childcare programs that are participating in our seeds grant mm -hmm. and seeds is an acronym it is and do you know what that stands for <laughs> social emotional early development strategies for success i love it good job katie I was going to say, Katie looked a little frightened there for a minute. I got it. I we knew, love acronyms. I knew you had a team. Oh, my gosh. We love acronyms in state government in general. Yeah. But, uh, and what, a SEEDS grant, how does that work? Through the SEEDS grant programs, um, send in an application. We do an application period, um, and they will send in, um, let us know about their program. Um, they are blind, blindly scored by um, other parties within the agency. Um, and then once a program's chosen, um, they are committing to go through a program-wide um, implementation period, which mm -hmm. is um, usually implementation periods about two years. Um, through the implementation cycle, they are going to develop a site leadership team and um, also agree to have an internal coach. And that's the person that our specialists work with mm -hmm. to in order to implement the um, all the work mm -hmm. that goes into um, using the different levels of the tiers to support the child care programs. And we've done how many of those so far, the SEEDS grants? This is our first year with the grant. Oh, okay. Um, we are actually in our cohort six. So for years past, we, we've been working to, to fine tune it. This year is the first year that we've actually been able to award grant money. Oh, terrific. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how that works. Yes, it's been very exciting and we've had a great response. Um, each supervisor has a cohort um, of their own. So we're able, I, I manage the ones for the South and Lindsay and and Michelle managed the other two cohorts. Um, so we've been able to be very connected to the to their child care programs and to the work mm -hmm. um, and be able to support them as they move through this initiative. I should have said early on that Michelle covers the West, yes. the Wild West. <laughs> uh, Lindsay covers the East. Mm -hmm. And um, Katie, you have the South. I do. So uh, we got we got you covered around Georgia. Well, this is uh, they'll be hearing this in January. So Happy New Year, everybody! <laughs> Welcome to the roaring the new Roaring Twenties, twenty twenty. If you're getting out your new calendar that you got for Christmas, and I love getting calendars, by the way, and giving calendars, <laughs> we want you to get it out now and mark in the month of February 
the week of February the 10th through the 14th, right there at Valentine's Day. And Michelle, why is that? That is, will be our fifth year of Inclusive Early Learning Week. And that's a week where we really want to increase the awareness, celebrate successes of programs, and really strengthen those supports that we've talked about about around inclusive early education for Mm -hmm. programs. We'll be providing them with a provider kit that will provide activities to do with children, activities to do with your staff, and activities to do with families as well as for preschool as well as infant toddler and it's just a time to really celebrate what you're already doing and bring programs and children and families in your community together in that inclusive environment and we'll be doing a lot of social media so stay tuned for that and contests so they can win a lot of great prizes through that. Yeah, it's a great idea, a great way to raise awareness Mm -hmm. around the topic and um, I know we're trying to get Callie and our commissioner uh-huh. out and about to visit some programs, and we're hoping that uh, uh, comes together. It's interesting. I know you guys had looked at the calendar, and we have pre-K week um, that falls in October. Uh-huh. We've got uh, you know some other activities uh, throughout the year, and you sort of chose Valentine's week because yes. we love inclusion. Yes, right? yeah. and that's where <laughs> right. we have the hashtag, hashtag love inclusion 2020 coming up. Um, just so it, it seemed like the perfect week because it's that sense of belonging and what's better than a sense of belonging than a holiday around love. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. So mark your calendar and uh, we ha- always have a lot of fun with this, uh, but it's a great way to also make parents and providers more comfortable around the topic. Always gives us a chance to uh, sort of share some best practices Uh too. Uh, So be uh, looking for that. I I know you guys, we could probably do an hour and a half on your personal stories of things that you've experienced, especially with all your background working in the field. But I just wondered if we had a personal story here of how you've seen inclusive early learning practiced uh, here in Georgia. Lindsay, how how about you? So one story that always stands out to me, um, I coached a teacher last school year when I was still serving as an inclusion specialist, Miss Jessica, if you're listening at Georgia Children's Academy in Houston, Georgia. Um, it stands out to me because she had um, a child in her class who was a tough kid. He was ha- having some challenging behavior. He was in the process of getting evaluated with the school district, but no services in place yet. And she just really wanted some support. And um, we did coaching for about three months or so, three, almost four months. And the growth that I saw in that period of time, because she went from being, of course, a little frustrated Mm. and what do I do to I've got this. And he was, by the time we ended our coaching, she felt empowered. He was being successfully included with his peers. The behavior had all but diminished. So it's, I get choked up because Mm. it's so emotional for me that she felt so great in her practice at the end of our, our time together. Yeah. So it was it was one that I will never forget. That's great. And, you know, we were talking about, do you miss the classroom? Do you miss interacting <laughs> with the children? The great thing about the role you guys are in now, you can have an impact on so many children yeah. by backing up uh, a teacher like yeah, this. Yeah, absolutely. I think we had a pre-K teacher of the year from that same program. We did. Her neighbor, right, literally right across the hall, Miss okay. Stephanie. Yeah. Yes, yes. She's so great. they work in a teaching team together in pre-K, absolutely. Oh, that's so, great. Yes. You see these names repeated a lot, <laughs> you know, whether it's inclusion or outstanding pre-K classrooms. Uh, that's always good to know. Katie, how about you? Well, um, I, I have so many being out in the field for so long. Um, one thing that stuck out to me was when a teacher contacted me about transition. She just felt like that her her transitions, every time they moved 
you know, an activity or in and out of the classroom, that it was just a really a a big time struggle for her. And, you know, we went in, we started talking about um, intentionally planning for those transitions Mm. Um, and going back a few weeks later after she had just made some minor tweaks um, and, you know, gave children productive roles in the classroom. everything seemed to sort of fit together and I really love it when I can go in the classroom and I I can't tell you know one child over the other Mm -hmm. as far as challenging behaviors go that um, that all children are engaged Mm -hmm. no that's a great story and um, again the hotline is available for everybody now and I just keep thinking somebody's listening out there uh, (laughs) that's a child care provider that's probably thinking you know I've wanted to do this I'm a smaller program. I really don't know where to start. And like Lindsay said, you need to call us. Give us a call. And let's just talk about it and get started. I'm sure, Katie, sometimes you walk in a classroom and probably get ideas just from looking at the layout and how things are. I have a problem with transitions myself, actually. (laughs) We can help with that. (laughs) Every day around the office. So let's get the phone number again. It is 833-354-4357, 833-354-4357. 4357. As Michelle said, uh, weekdays, 8 a.m., 5 p.m., there's a voicemail there in case um, you guys are tied up because mm-hmm. I imagine that can happen. That does happen. Uh, yes. And you're dealing with a lot of other things. And um, Lindsay, you had given an email address, yes, which is. Yes, you can also email us, and that email is inclusion at decal.ga.gov. All right. We'd love to hear from you, your questions comments. We want to have you guys back in the near future and find out what folks are talking about. So when we see these calls continue to come in uh, and the emails, we'd love to, uh, to hear back. And don't forget, February, right around the corner, February the 10th through the 14th, it is Inclusive Early Learning Week. And we want you to be a part of that. If you want to know how, you can celebrate. You can send us an email mm-hmm. or call us. Send an yes. email and things will start being posted on social media starting in January. Great. We so want everybody involved because it really helps raise the conversation in a very comfortable, fun way. Mm-hmm. And uh, we want you to do that. All right. Katie, Michelle, Lindsay, thanks for being part of the program. Thank thanks you. so much, Reg. Now your questions from the water cooler. Hi, my name is Barbara Sanders. I work in the IT Application Support Division. My question for the commissioner is, if you go anywhere in the world on vacation, where would you go? Thanks, Barbara. Uh, That's a good question. I always like to think about vacation. Um, I'm not real picky. Anywhere that's tropical with a beach and an ocean is where I like to be. Time to give you a chance at winning a nice prize in the decal download quiz. We'll draw one name from all the correct answers to our question this week. Email your response to decaldownload at decal.ga.gov. This is the question. When is Inclusive Early Learning Week celebrated in Georgia? When is Inclusive Early Learning Week celebrated in Georgia? Answer that question correctly. We'll draw one name from all the correct answers. Thanks for playing and good luck. Thanks for tuning in to Decal Download. For more information, visit our website at decal.ga.gov. The conversation continues on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. Follow Commissioner Jacobs on Twitter at C-O-M-M Jacobs. 